0: Welcome, everyone, to The Games People Play with Bernie Corbett. I remain Bernie Corbett uh, with our guest, a man who was synonymous with his time and forever will be associated very closely with the year 1968. It was a tumultuous year in American history. And if there was a man for that time who dominated that summer of 1968, it was today's guest, Denny McLean. Denny, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us here on the Games People Play. Well, Bernie, thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Elvis would say, let's rock and roll. Welcome everyone to the games people play with Bernie Corbett. I remain Bernie Corbett uh, with our guest, a man who was synonymous with his time and forever will be associated very closely with the year 1968. It was a tumultuous year in American history. And if there was a man for that time who dominated that summer of 1968, it was today's guest, Denny McLean. Denny, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us here on The Games People Play. Well, Bernie, thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Elvis would say, let's rock and roll. Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode of The Games People Play with Bernie Corbett. I remain Bernie Corbett. Unfortunately, I'm a little bit older today, but that's another story for another day. Very pleased to have with us a man who... Personifies a commitment to excellence, pride and poise, the toughness of the East Bay in distant Oakland, California, on the other coast, and we welcome in Phil Vellipiano with us. Phil, welcome to the show. Great to have you here.
1: Well, thank you, Bernie, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we I'm glad we made some time, and I'm glad it's this week, not last week, with a big win we had. Um, over the Chiefs. Wasn't that a beautiful thing? It's just uh, you can never beat the Chiefs enough. And especially in their home, just a wonderful win. So I'm feeling pretty good about our team right now.
0: I got to ask you, Liz, I think one place this reference, You were actually born in Brooklyn, New York. Is that true? (laughs) You know what? My mother was born in Brooklyn,
1: New York, but not me. I'm born in Asbury Park right down the street here.
0: That's, that's what I thought. You could have shared that with Al Davis. That's why I brought it up. You both could have been born in Brooklyn. So. Oh, I know. If I, hey, he might have paid me a little more. If, uh, <laughs> that's right. There. might have helped him. Might have helped him. Track time. But uh, Asbury Park, yeah, your, your roots back there on the Jersey Shore, definitely a Jersey guy, Jersey Shore guy. You went to high school, Asbury Park High School, your sophomore year where your dad was the uh, the athletic director for many years.
1: Yeah, he was. He was, he was the man. He was Coach Ville. And let's say coached basketball for 20 years down there in Asbury and was AD for like 30. And he was the guy. And, uh, and around the Jersey Shore, most people know, they know him more
0: than they know me. <laughs> and uh, he had actually been a college football player in his own right. Uh, played out in Indiana at uh, at DePaul, which uh, was a powerhouse uh, among uh, small colleges going all the way back to the 1930s.
1: Boy, Bernard, good, good. Yeah, that's really good, man. Not pe- many people know that. But my father was on a – and and I, I, you know, who knows <laughs> where this goes. But anyway, you know, they were a, a decent team way back when. And they were – one at one uh, season they were undefeated, untied, and unscored upon. Wow. Take that. <laughs> and uh, that was his pride and joy i think that's when he was a junior and so let's say born in uh, 1912 so let's say uh 22 30 maybe 1930 <laughs> how <laughs>
0: about that <laughs> wow that's i said it was back to the 30s so well uh, you pin that one down for us uh, he definitely had the, the athletic gene uh passed down in that regard uh running back and linebacker in high school you actually finished up at Ocean Township uh, High School as a junior and a senior.
1: Yeah, that, that broke my heart too, Vernon. Noth- nothing against Ocean Township, but uh, Asbury Park in, in, in those days, in the, in the 60s, you know, 50s, 60s was huge. It was Group 4, and that's the biggest you can get in New Jersey. And I was lucky enough to start as a sophomore, which was kind of unheard of. And we played Trenton, which was another gigantic school in those days. And we beat them at Asbury in, uh, in my sophomore year. We won the uh, Central Jersey Group Four State Championship. And I scored a touchdown in that game, intercepted a ball. And then it wasn't about two or three months later, it was announced. I mean, everybody knew Ocean Township was building this high school, but nobody ever thought that they were going to build it on time. And all of us, and then we got the, the word that, you know, okay. I was living in an Ocean. Even though I grew up in Asbury, I was living in Ocean. I was going to leave. So going over to Ocean Township, we had no senior class. So we had a play to play the JV schedule. So I went from group four down to a JV. And it was I hated it. And I told my father, who was the AD, we just talked about that at Asbury. I said, Dad, you got to be able to pull some strings. He goes, nope, you need to go there and help those people out. And it broke my heart. I was so pissed, but I went over there. And you know, now in hindsight, we were the first, you know, graduating class. I was the first football captain. I was the first basketball captain. Uh, I was the first president of the whatever club, Taean Club. Yeah. You know? So when <laughs> when you are the first, you know, class through, you there's a lot of firsts, and uh, and, and in hindsight, it's pretty cool. But when, I, when it was happening to me, I was not very
0: happy. At, at, at the time, a two-time captain and, and a pioneer there. You were, you were the guy that, you know, as, as a pathfinder uh, at the new school at Ocean Township. Yeah. Uh, get, coming out of school, uh, recruiting process. I uh, know we're going to talk about Bowling Green here in a minute, where, where you ended up playing for the Bowling Green Falcons out in Ohio. But uh, Maryland was certainly uh, factored in prominently. And uh, they had the peripatetic coach Lou Saban was actually the coach at Maryland. So how did, how did that work out? Did, did Lou Saban come to your house as part of the recruiting process?
1: Well, you know,
0: like back in those
1: days, well, maybe if I was Jack Tatum, who was right up the road, but they come to your house. But uh, no, Maryland, Maryland um, found me like when I was a sophomore. Mm. And, and then like I, th- I went to Ocean Township. once I left Asbury, I didn't think anybody knew, you know knew about me anymore. Especially Maryland, but they they contacted me. They said Coach Saban loves you, blah blah blah, and then lo and behold, he leaves and goes to the Denver Broncos <laughs> right at the end because he had a good season with Maryland. So he leaves. So now he's with the Broncos. I call. I remember calling down there and saying, "Hey, what about what about you know you guys offered me a scholarship? What, what, what's going on?" They said, Oh, well, Phil, just don't, you know, just be patient. We, we need to hire a coach. So, yes. in the meantime, and this is a I, this story I love to tell, uh, Bernie. I went, remember when you remember this? The NIT was bigger than NCAA basketball. Right.
0: The right? Many years.
1: Yes. Madison, Madison Square Garden. My dad being the basketball coach at Asbury, my brother and me, I would go with him every year. We watched the games. Well, one year, so this had to be you know, early 60s, Bowling Green. I never heard of them. They got Nate Thurmond's their center, Howard their guard. They win the NIT, and they must have brought the whole school there. The school spirit was incredible. And I'm like, when it, so when Marilyn started him and Han, I said, what about that Bowling Green? <laughs> and we, so we, we called out there. My dad, you know, knew what to do calls out there, gets Don Nalen on the phone, who's the recruiter for New Jersey. He goes, whoa, yeah, let's talk. So my father and I went out, like, and we drove all the way to Ohio, brought a couple reels of film with us, and uh, then, then they, they liked what they saw. We go back to Jersey. Now Marilyn's calls back and says, hey, we're, we're about ready to uh, get, get a new coach here, and Don Nayland calls back and says, Phil, if you don't, we're offering you a scholarship. If you don't take this today, we got to give it to somebody else. It's getting late. I And I really, I liked him. I liked Bonnie Green. The, the football field, they have an old football field. It must just sit like 10,000. It was right in the middle of campus. And I loved that look. Even though they didn't use it anymore, they hadn't torn it down yet. They built a nice new one out there, but... I just liked the feeling of this, the student body from the NIT, and I liked Nayland. I liked Bob Gibson, who was the head coach, and you know, I just said, forget about Maryland. I'm going to go to Bowling Green, and uh, I had a million people back in those days. Where is that Bowling Green? <laughs> you know, nobody <laughs> even knew where it was, but very, very cool school, and I had a great four years out there, and can't beat it, man. And And it, it was my style of football, which was, I'm not really a pretty player. I like to hit, and they like to hit, and it worked.
0: And Don Nalen, of course, who went on to prominence, West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, father-in-law of me being a Giants fan. Father-in-law of Jeff Hostetler, who played quarterback. And yeah. you mentioned Bob Gibson. Was that the Bob Gibson that became the Giants offensive coordinator? Yes, it was. The With, Bob the, Gibson who got the, fired. From, the on Larry Zonka's fumble. Oh, amazing. When you said Bob Gibson, holy cow. Wow.
1: And Bernie, you got it, man. That, nobody, nobody would have known that except for me and you. <laughs> and I felt so bad for Bob. And, uh, you know, here, here is. I don't think Larry Zonka wanted that ball. No. And he said, you know, no. let me, you know, you no know, quarterback, you keep it. <laughs> you know, what was his name who, who handed him the ball? Oh, Joe Bozacek check, I was yep. going to call him. Joe yep. uh, he was he's a, he's a really, really nice fella. And uh, him and I did a couple uh, events together. And uh, I mean, it's all anybody wants to talk. That's almost like the immaculate reception you exactly. know, uh, yep. for the New Yorkers.
0: It, 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 well, I'm going to send you – I interviewed you for the, uh, the book I did on the Patriots' most memorable games. I did one of the Giants. I will send you a book because one of the games in the book is the fumble. I talked to everybody that was in the huddle. It was like CSI Meadowlands. So that's yeah. gonna that that's that's gonna be a little gift that you're gonna get from me soon.
1: Well, that would be nice. I love I love to yeah. read those books. And uh, yeah, boy, I'll tell you, that was a shame. That yeah. was a, man, that flipped up that flipped New York upside down. And who oh, was it? The the coach picks it up. What's his name? And run.
0: Oh, the uh, Herman Edwards. Remember that word? He yep. runs it in. Isn't that crazy? Yep, it would create crazy connection. Were, were you a Giants fan, Jet fan, growing up, or? I was a Houston Oiler
1: fan. Really? And, and uh, I was a Houston Oiler fan because you remember we had the uh, uh, maybe CBS had the, the uh, uh, NFL, yep. and the AFL the, was on the other channel, maybe uh, channel four. NBC. Yep. You see, and they would they would play. Houston almost every week because then George Bland was the quarterback, Billy Cannon, Charlie Toller. These guys scored like crazy. And I was, when I went into the, you know, out there playing with my buddies, I was George Bland. Then. And I was always George. I loved the way they scored and he, he kicked and threw and all that. And then he ends up being my teammate. And right. you know, he was a rookie, 1949. The year I was born. So when I when I played, Woodham, I said, oh, God. That's you know, crazy. he was in his 35th or something year in the That's NFL. Crazy. It was absolutely nuts. Great guy. The yep. guy beat me in golf. I, I never knew really what handicaps were all about because yep. I just used to play with my friends. We, we all started together. But George Gladwell, we got, would always give me shots. And I'm like, why are you doing that? He says because this is called a handicap, you need shots, but he never gave me enough to win. I lose. I lost to him every single time. Mike Ciani talking about you know Brooklyn and Mike being from uh, you know Staten Island. Him and I became pretty good friends. We were probably uh, one of the seven or eight Italians in the whole league at the time, and uh, so Mike and I would play against George Blanda and anybody else. We've never, ever won. We laugh about this all the time. So, but we love, we love golf. We love playing with George. We love going to racetrack with George. He became a very, very good friend. And, you know, I, I could see myself in him so much. Uh, it, you know, the way he conducted himself and the way, the toughness of,
0: of George Bland.
1: He, he was like my guy, you know. He was my guy.
0: Men, men, mentor, one of, one of many. We'll talking about a couple of others. and. Uh, You you certainly distinguished yourself uh, playing at a small program, the Mid-American Conference, your player of the year, uh, team MVP, defensive, obviously defensive player of the year also. And uh, really to your style and your relentless style, sideline to sideline reputation you had with your speed, tackling machine, a good conference for you to be playing in very run oriented league in terms of being able to shed blocks and be able to really cultivate the style that became the Phil Filippiano way to play the game, way to play linebacker.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Bernie. And, uh, yeah, and I played at, at, at Bowling Green. This is another crazy thing. So here I'm getting the full scholarship, right? <laughs> so we go out there, and they're having this team meeting. And they said, and it was just like, well, not the team meeting, whoever was invited to play, you know, um, you know walk-ons, everybody. So, okay, quarterback's over there. Running backs over there, Um, and, you know, I I was a defensive player. I like – I mean, I played offense and defense in high school, but when I'm out there, I was going to be a linebacker, I thought, because I played linebacker in high school. But all these big guys got in the line to be linebackers, and they got defensive ends, and the skinny guys went over there. So I went (laughs) over there with the skinny guys. (laughs) They didn't even know. Yeah, they didn't even know. That. They didn't even know what position they drafted me or uh, you know projected. So anyway, I became a defensive end at that meeting. The next day, we're out there and we're playing against the. Uh, uh, they you know we all that we had green jerseys on. They called it Greeny Day, and we had to wear green jerseys all year because we were just the uh, blocking, tackling dummies. Anyway, let's go. We go over there and every the very first. Day on the field, green. You know, they call it greeny day, and we'd go over scrimmage against the varsity. Well, I went over there, and now it's the first time I'm ever playing defensive end. I went wild. It was crazy. I tackled everybody. I couldn't believe because I wasn't back behind a line of scrimmage. Now I was up <laughs> on the line. I right. just went for it, and it was crazy. And I think I made an impression day one uh, <laughs> because, man it was perfect you know it it was it was just perfect uh, yeah and uh bowling green if there's ever i look back and I, the reason i mean it just drove me crazy that we hit so much out there which was very good for me mm-hmm. but we also busted up our whole team every every summer and we go into the season with no, all our special players being injured and yeah, and it was was I felt like telling telling Don Nailen, which you wouldn't do that to Don Nailen, but man, leave us alone. Let us let us heal. Let us get ready. We got Utah State coming to town. We got like, I they started me at running back. They we we busted. I I was personally busted up, as many run backs as I could because that's the way we did it. But <laughs> we didn't have anything left, and uh, it it was just <laughs> well anyway. The good news was I was ready for the Raiders. Bad news was we
0: busted up our whole team. You know we weren't. We could have been a lot better than we were. That coming uh, as far as an NFL prospect, uh, you were projected maybe third, fourth round pick. Uh, there was a, some questions about your size. Some people said ah, you know two ten, he might be too small to play linebacker in the NFL. But I noted that the Raiders did not, shockingly, subscribe to the NFL Central Scouting Combine, and they had a better line on the fact that you were actually. A legitimate 225 pounds which piqued the Raiders interest for you
1: yeah that was that was that was cool you know I was I, I got I got invited to the blue and gray game and when I went down there I, I noticed that nobody whatever it was they had the wrong I mean everybody said I thought you were like 205 210 yeah. No, 225 here I am and I had a really good blue gray game and then I went to the senior bowl game and really had a good game there. And that's when I met Al Davis after the, after the senior bowl game. And uh, he came up to me and shook my hand. And that's the day I think I got drafted by the Raiders
0: at the senior bowl. And you had uh, since inducted into the senior bowl hall of fame. I watched that induction speech. I think you tackled uh, a few people, a few pedestrians that were walking the streets of Mobile, just minding their own business, and you went up and just tackled them that week. So you tackled everybody. That was fun. That was a that was a
1: good one. And uh, you know, um, a couple of guys that got inducted in front of me, the big tight end from uh, Dallas and a linebacker from Denver. I mean, KC. Uh, they, their induction speeches were a little little soft, so. I told the guy, "Let me go last." So, and uh, I was ready for him. I, I was ready for him, and I—I uh, I think the people from Mobile
0: got a little taste in New Jersey that night. That was fun. It, indeed, I enjoyed watching that myself. And uh, the, the the CFL was uh, had some interest. Uh, the Jets and the Browns had some interest, but uh, the qualification. I think your dad said, "Hey, if you go in the first three rounds, you know, forget about uh, you know heading north of the border and learning how to say eight. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. you know, stay, stay down here. And the Raiders took you, I think maybe to the surprise of a lot of people, you were second round, 45th pick in the draft. I mean, I think the Raiders proved that they loved it. They thought they had something with this guy to, to take him as high as they did.
1: Yeah, that was, that was fun. And, uh, you know, um, the day of the draft, I mean, you know, if you remember the draft, is 1971. There was no time limits. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they just started. And they were gonna do so many rounds on first day and so many rounds on the second day. I think there was probably 16 rounds or something back in those days. And uh, I had won, you know, we won at the senior ball. So I had $2,500. They gave us cash. I never had two cents to my name. And all of a sudden I got 2,500. So the draft draft is like the next week and I decided we have a nice big party at our place. And I invited everybody, I went out and bought all the beer and, the, and we had the subs and the, all that good stuff. And we st- the thing started at like nine in the morning. So by seven o'clock at night, I'm totally drunk and everybody in my whole place was and the phone finally rang and it wasn't my mother calling me to see how, if I got drafted yet, because there was no media, you know? So uh, they, the guy calls and, uh, and my girlfriend picks up the phone and she goes, Phil, it's the Oakland Raiders. And I went, all right. And I said, go get the map. Where's Oakland? I didn't even know where it was in the country. So we got we got the map out. She's going, here it is, and right near San Francisco. I'm like, yeah, man, this is going to be cool. So I was going to go to California, and it was Ron Wolf was on the phone. And I so we got all done talking, and, and he kind of knew I had a few beers. I told him, uh, I said, you know, you got to tell me what route I got drafted in because, you know, I just like to know and we've been waiting all day and he goes second round I'm like second round what took (laughs) you so long you know so anyway it was kind of funny and he goes what are you talking about yeah that's just the way it was it took forever for the drafts you know so I got I got drafted and um, that was that was on a I don't know maybe a Friday or Thursday Friday maybe it was a Saturday couple days later, I'm in Oakland, and that was the end of Bowling Green for me, man. All I was studying was pro football from
0: then on. It was kind of fun. It, it, indeed, I, and I, I, I saw a note about you were home for Thanksgiving. What must have been Thanksgiving 1970. Uh, the Raiders were playing the Lions, and uh, <laughs> they had the misfortune of miking up the sideline, and there was a few get-that-mofos coming from the sideline. You Sorry. loved it. Your mother, who was a great advocate for you from an early age, that said, "Hey, you might be able to make a living at this." She wasn't too thrilled with, I think, the uh, the language and the, the, the X-rated language on the sideline. But you kind of like that, and the fact that you ended up in Oakland was, I think, that was good karma. It really
1: was. And my, I'll never forget. My mother goes, "Those guys are disgusting," and she walks out of the room. good went in to cook. I told him, "We don't have we don't have Thanksgiving dinner until we got done with football that day." You know, right, so, right. And that was, that was fun. Um, I, don't, I think, Bernie, that the Raiders and the Lions used to do that quite a bit. They, I know it was always the Lions. but Always the Lions, yep. And the Raiders got picked to play in that game. So when I went out, you know, I, I never heard. Like at Bowling Green, if you swore you were running up and down stadium steps. When I went to Oakland, I don't think those coaches ever used a normal word. It was, everything was a swear and it uh, was kind of fun. It was, it was
0: fun. And I, I recognized all those voices once I went out there. In, it, indeed. You got a quick education. You go out to Oakland, uh, pretty crowded at the, at the linebacker position at that time. And uh, some very good NFL linebackers. You had guys like Dan Connors and, and uh, Gus Otto. Uh, Gerald Irons was, was battling for playing time. But the guy that really opened it up for you, and I, probably the impetus for you being drafted in the second round, Chip, I remember the name Chip Oliver had been yeah. a spotter. So, in effect, they thought that maybe you could come in and replace Chip Oliver. What about your first impressions of coming to an end, you know, all of a sudden it goes from where's Oakland to now you're on the field with these guys and uh, with uh, with the uh, the whole NFL uh, atmosphere?
1: Well, it's it's – it's quite different. than, It's quite different than one way
0: from Bowling Green. And yeah,
1: yep. it, it really is. It's it's nuts. And you know, I got a real uh, kind of a good education because you know, I also got invited to play in the Chicago All Star Game back when the the top draft picks played against the Super Bowl champs. Yep. yep. So we're playing against the Baltimore uh, Colts, and I remember going over and the first time I ever got. A real, uh, a real pro feel. Uh, halfway through, a Blanton Collier. How about that? Was our head coach. Yep.
0: And they bring time. Yep.
1: We bring we bring over to we go over to where the Bears practiced their their training camp. So we the All Stars scrimmage to Bears, and I remember Mike Ditka coming off the line of scrimmage. He was their tight end with the big fist, and he, bam! And I'm like, whoa. And I learned quick, this is going to be a different world, you know? So, you know, I remember that. And then we, then we got into the All-Star game. And, you know, they had John Mackey was their tight end. I played over John Mackey, which was kind of cool. And then when I went to Oakland, see, you're in Chicago getting ready for that All-Star game. You're not in training camp. So I went to the Oakland training camp like three weeks late. I knew nothing, nothing. And, I'm, I'm, and Chip Oliver, that you mentioned, who I used to like to watch play. This kid was quick and he could tackle. And he decides to become a hippie. Now, back in, you know, 71, you know, dropped people out. did that. Yeah. They just dropped out of society. So he drops out. And I go out there and they got a guy named Dwayne Benson starting. They got Carl Weathers, who Apollo hey, Creed. i can ask you about him. You got the know Apollo team. Creed. Yep. Yeah. You should see his body when he was bigger, you know. And then I was third team. So the very first, the first preseason game, Dwayne Benson um, does something to his knee, and and the second, uh, second, then then I'm all of a sudden I'm second team. Carl Weathers is starter. He pulls a groin in the next game, and all of a sudden I'm a starter. I'm the I'm third. I don't even know. If it wasn't for Dan Connors, and you mentioned him, my beautiful best buddy out there. Him, I, he gave me more signals about what to do. Because now I became the starter, and that was it. I was the starter forever. And uh, Dan was my man, and Gus Otto was my man. We we played, we, we had a real nice linebacker of court. We played 4-3 back in those days, and yeah. which kind of gave me a little bit of my bowling green. I got up on a tight end, which I was good at. Yeah. Then, you know, when the tight end was over there, I... I had to, uh, you know, cover, which was which wasn't a problem. So anyway, I learned the NFL game. I learned real quick that it's going to be really physical. But there's no comparison between the mental in college and the mental in the pros. It's just unbelievable the step you got to make. And if you can't make that step, you look like the guy I saw last night from Buffalo. Who's this Norm, whatever his name is, the defensive back that everybody paid millions and zillions of dollars That's to? This. Nice.
0: Yeah, who got who got absolutely got crushed last night?
1: Ah, yep. God, oh God! <laughs> what well, I mean, the guy had no clue what he was supposed to do. So anyway, yeah, I th- I was rooting for the Bills last night. I rooted for the Raiders the other day. Yeah. So um, yep. you know, uh, anyway, NFL. <laughs> if you can't think, you can't play. <laughs>
0: And as it turns out, with those injuries, you were the opening day starter. And in a bit of Raider symmetry that uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't report on, and was one of the games that when I interviewed you that we talked about in the the most memorable games in Patriots history, you played with the Raiders the very first game at then Schaefer Stadium.
1: Yeah.
0: And of course, we know the Raiders played in the very last game at Schaefer slash Sullivan Stadium. The Tuck Rule Game. Oh yeah, the Raiders bookended it. But as far as your first NFL game, other than the fact, uh, Phil, that I think you never saw your first paycheck because it was way too close to the Jersey. Sure, <laughs> Parkborough. <laughs> yeah. As as you think back on that experience, not a good day for the Raiders either. That day they oh, lost twenty no. to six. It was a big upset.
1: We let Jim Plunkett, Jim Plunkett's debut man. He took us down. Yep. And uh, it was amazing. Uh, I, I, I that's so funny that you you would know that, Bernie. You do your homework, that's good stuff. So you know, back in those days, I think, okay, let's let's do the math. I'm a second round pick, I'm making seventeen thousand dollars. We got we got 14 games, divide 14 into 17. So each game I'm getting a thousand dollars, maybe, okay, with my taxes and stuff. Little did I know. Then when I ordered, like, 240 tickets for the game, because all of New Jersey, and the, we have a big Piano clan over at Springfield, Mass., and Elmira, and Portland, Maine, everybody came. And I, I I I never did the math. I have no clue how much money I was making. They gave me my check, and it was, like, 200 bucks. I was like, what? Luckily, the tickets were all you know. You know, $2.75 or something. (laughs) Whatever the tickets were, I got 200 of them. I told my father I got it. (laughs) I got no money after the game was over. It was terrible. But that's the way it was in those days. You know, um, they gave you your checks right in the locker room. This was shocked me. Yeah. Have a guy walk around, give you a game check. Because, you know, if you didn't play well, you might not be invited back on Monday. That I didn't realize that either. This, this, you know, the NFL is for keeps nowadays. Not so, but back in those days, man, oh man, you weren't you weren't playing well, you're probably gone. You weren't, and they're not going to pay you any money. As a matter of fact, when I was a rookie, uh, yeah, I got paid. Oh, preseason, when yeah. I was a rookie, you don't get paid. No, I mean, no paychecks yeah. for rookies. And In you pre-season.
0: six preseason games then, too.
1: Six. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 so I'm playing wow. for $17 a day. That was our per diem for your food and everything. So 17 times seven is what? About 90 bucks a week. Wow. How about that?
0: <laughs>
1: and I'm a starting for the Oakland Raiders. It's, what, a, what a crazy, what a crazy, crazy time. When, uh, you know, and... This year we had the collective bargaining agreement. I just, you know, I, I remember talking to John Riggins, his wife, who did a really nice job helping the, you know, us get a nice increase. Because if you were pre '94, I think it was, yep. you, you got like nothing. You know, our pay, t- I mean, our pensions were nothing, and all these guys, the stuff they 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 get today. That we went on strike for, and
0: right. these
1: guys were like saying, "No, man, they, you know, we're not giving that to the old timers." They had no clue, and it, it bothers me. I like the NFL, but man, some of the modern players in the Modern Players Association, give me a break. Mm-hmm. You know, you baseball takes care of their own, basketball takes care of their own, soccer, yeah. hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone but football, and that's the most brutal sport of them all. And uh, you know, I, I it, it bothers me to see some of my you know compadres, you know, from the other teams. Guys can't walk, can't think. Oh, you know, I, they look like shit. Yeah. and uh, it's 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 very sad. And uh, you know, you pretty much had to take. You know, as well as great as the NFL was, I got offered we win the super bowl in 76 um go to vegas for a big golf outing i'm playing with this guy in two days we had a lot of fun together and we got done he says let's go have a beer i went inside with him and he goes uh hey what do you do in the off season? i said i lift weights he goes you want to learn something i go what do you got because i have ships and he had container ships back and forth to europe and I said, "Yes, I'd like to learn something because I, I something happened. I wanted to be a teacher and a coach, and into, as I was getting older, I wanted to be a businessman. I yeah. said this could be pretty cool. So as of right here now, you're looking in my room here, Bernie. I'm still in shipping after like 40 years, but that's the ethic, you know, the work ethic we all had back then. You Absolutely. better have an all-season job." you better not rely on signing autographs for the rest of your life, you know? So uh, yeah. a lot of things that I, yeah, that goes back to your question. What did I learn?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All part of the educational process. And, uh, and one question that I, 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 once again, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, but there's a couple of generations now that, I mean, it, obviously they look at the Patriots as a, a marquee NFL franchise, nine Super Bowls appearances, six wins. You played in the very first game at the stadium in Foxborough. When I talk to you about that experience, I just want you to recount a little bit about what they were then as opposed to where they are now for the Patriots opening up that stadium and what that experience was like. I guess it wasn't quite ready for primetime when you guys were – the guests of the Patriots in that opening game, Phil, to say the least.
1: No, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was really crazy, even the scouting in those days. You'd get a piece of paper, and they'd have a circle and a guy's name. <laughs> Sometimes they would have his weight, height and weight, you know. You just knew his name. You didn't know if it was any good. You saw maybe one or two rolls of film. The whole thing was nuts. But I remember going up there to Foxborough, and this is when AstroTurf was just invented. Yep. And you, it was the worst crap you ever want to play on. Your feet stuck. Football is a lateral game. And this is what people don't understand. Something's going on in the NFL right now with these new stadiums. These right. Too many guys are knees and yeah. ankles are getting snapped. You you got to be able to go like this, sideways. To play to play football, and when you're on AstroTurf, you have to pick up your leg, and move it, or it sticks. It's like Velcro. It's like a Velcro belt. You go like this all you want. You're not getting it apart. But you go like that, and that's exactly what it's like with AstroTurf. And they came up with those the rubber beads in there. That's great. But something's wrong this year. I don't know if it's if it's a new topic, I've never seen so many angles and knees. And and it's like it's happening all the time. And I, I got a feeling they just can't get their feet up. Getting yeah. back to Schaefer Stadium. Yes. You we were opening beautiful, up I Beautiful Schaefer Stadium. Yeah, that, 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 that the turf was horrible. And I remember in the locker room, the toilets didn't even work. And the and 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 it, it, I don't know how this happened, but somehow or another they put they put the sinks probably four feet up in the air. You, you had to reach over. I mean, everything about that stadium was bad, except <laughs> the New England people. They they came out and they they cheered, and it was a, that was a big win for them. I don't think they won the rest of the season, but they that was a know. big win. And yep. I I remember uh, we we were on an East Coast swing. We played the Baltimore Colts in Florida. They used to have those games and all these crazy stadiums, trying maybe to see, well, I don't know, we were, I think we were in Jacksonville. Mm. So we went from Jacksonville up to New Jersey and we stayed over there at Seton Hall for a week and practiced and then we went up to um, Foxborough to play. And I remember John Madden when that game was over, this is the first time, you know, my very first NFL game Mm. and Madden wouldn't speak. I said, uh-oh, you <laughs> know, he was so disappointed in losing to the Patriots. But anyway, you know, um, the Patriots in my career, what a pain in the ass they were. Man, they were oh, yeah. always a good team. And oh, yeah. The I remember going there in 76, our Super Bowl year, the only game we lost. Yeah. And the Patriots, they beat us up. And I remember before the game, John Mann comes up to me and he goes, hey, Phil, you know, um, the guy you're playing against is pretty good. I said, Coach, he's a rookie. And uh, that was Russ Francis. Russ Francis. Wow. Yep. What a horse he was. I had no clue. I don't, I don't think I watched one bit of film on him. I just saw he was a rookie. I thought I could kill him. Uh-uh.
0: <laughs> so, you know, when they
1: came back out to Oakland in the, in the playoff
0: game, <laughs> we had to be ready for Russ
1: Francis and that group because they were a very good
0: team. It, 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 indeed, a uh, couple of signature games in your career. That was your the season opener, seventy-one. You've been elevated to a starter. It didn't take you long to establish yourself on the in the national spotlight because the symmetry week three, old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, eighty-four thousand people, Monday night football, as Frank Gifford would say, with Howard Cosell, and uh, you had an opportunity that night to uh, really. Uh, your coming out party, if you will, for Phil Filippiano as a name nationally. And your performance that night was, was extraordinary. And you had Howard Cosell trumpeting you that night too, which didn't work.
1: (laughs) That was a huge game for me, Bernie. And uh, I, then again, I'm from Bowling Green. All I know is to make tackles. I, you know, I was just, you know, I just would say my prayers. I remember my rookie year, I could hardly eat because um, my my stomach would be in notch because I'd be so worried, and only when I got on the field and played well did that feeling go away. But that one that night in Cleveland, man, it, it's that was some that was some some game for me. And Howard Cosell, you know, liked the Villa Piano, the Italian thing. He always, you know he always picked out something. And I remember I wore I won a, uh, the Defensive Player of the Game. He um, got a Lazy Boy chair. And wow. I, I think I got about five or six of them by the time Howard Cosell was with me. Because every time the Raiders would play, I would play I would play well. And Howard would get me a chair, you know, the defensive player of the game. <laughs> but I remember the Bowling Green people came there. My, You know, all my family came there. And that stadium, you talk about old and decrepit. Oh, you know, we I got to play in some real beauties. And that was what I remember in the... Um, John, Madden, uh, this goes. This is crazy that he would say something like this. But before we went, before the season started, you know uh, the flip flops you wear. Yep. Everybody, I remember him in a meeting saying, make sure everybody you get your get flip flops, and this becomes part of your traveling thing. And then I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. But when I got to Cleveland, it, it was like when you stepped in the shower. You, there was seaweed growing in there. It was it was absolutely <laughs> it was disgusting, <laughs> dirty. Uh, and, 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 and I remember in the stadium, uh, John Vella hit with a, a beer bottle. And they, uh, the, one of the fans too, He's walking down the field and it hits him right in the elbow, and he goes <laughs> down. And we we thought he got shot. That was some crazy
0: night in Cleveland, man. <laughs> and, and we a good thing we gave him a nice ass kick in that. It, it, absolutely 34 20 victory uh the uh, marquee run how do I game. get that film Bernie can I get a film I, wanna, yeah, have, I have never to, saw that game all I know is really, I made a bunch of tackles gotta gotta find out if that uh, if that exists hopefully that, that it exists somewhere you would be able to watch it
1: yeah uh, I'd love to see
0: it I'll have to work on that see if I can track that down the uh the marquee player on the offensive side for the Browns then was Leroy Kelly yeah you, know, uh, you spent a lot of time uh, very intimate uh, relations with Leroy Kelly that night in terms of uh, picking him up and putting him on the turf, uh, and that was courtesy. I think if you if you didn't know uh, about uh, the the knowledge, the level of knowledge of a guy like Al Davis in football, you'll learn that night. Uh, Al gave you a little tip that paid off for you that night.
1: Yes, he did, and. Uh, and then you gotta have you're gonna have to remind me the tight end's name is was it Milt Marin or well, something? Milt Maron. Like he played at UMass with Greg Landry. There you go. Isn't that crazy? Yep. You got it. So Milt Maron's the tight end. He's probably in his tenth year or something. And Al grabs me on Thursday in practice, and he goes, "Look, you got, you're you playing against a tight end. You're you you're, you're much much faster than him. What I want you to do is Back off him because I want you to run and I want you to make a tackle on Leroy Kelly every time he runs the ball. And this is what he does. If he put his right arm down, he went left. He put his left arm down, he went right. Mm-hmm. And Al Davis told me that. I'm like, holy mackerel. So, I mean, in a run of the ball, like every down. So I backed off this tight end. He couldn't touch me. So I had, I could, I, it was like, it was like, you know, uh, take a candy from a baby. I mean, it was easy. I was off everywhere. Kelly went, bam, I was hitting him. It was beautiful. And it's all because he was telling me which way it was going. And the tight end was too slow to block. So, that put that combination together, you can have a big night. And I did. And I, I thanked out after the game. And that started a kind of – it's my rookie year now. Yeah. Al Davis probably never said ten words to me in preseason. But – Now I'm his player. And he understood – he got into my brain a little bit. And, and you know, you give me a tip, I'm going to use it, you know, unless it's, you know, proves out that it's not. But anyway, he used to come – we'd have these talks almost every Thursday. And he'd come up to me and tell me what he thought this team was going to do to me. Because, you know, in the NFL – they don't they, you don't scout a defense you scout individual players
0: right matchups yep you can
1: pick on a player yep and when they find something wrong you know they're coming in after you and, and you know and uh, so al would always say well phil this is what i think they they're, you're 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 way too aggressive on your pursuit you're going get they're gonna get a couple uh reverses you're going get they're going to try and slow you down. And he would tell me all this kind of good stuff. And, and it, it always it always worked. I love talking football with Al. And and, he, and Bernie, you would have loved talking football with him because you remember everything. And he remembers everything. Right. Really, a really a, he's like a historian.
0: <laughs> I, I, I saw a reference. The first time that you were actually aware of Al Davis, you were on the field in training camp and Al was on the sideline and he was barking out instructions, and you walked over. Was it Ray Malavese he was the assistant coach? Would you tell that guy to shut up?
1: Yeah.
0: Malavese
1: looked at me and goes, you know who that guy is? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Ray Malavese, now, here, here's my first linebacker coach. He never played a down-on linebacker in his life, and he's coaching on the pro level. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, and Davis is just screaming and yelling, and I, I, he was driving me nuts. I couldn't even concentrate trying to listen to Malavese. Oh, and uh, Al really knew what he was talking about so It was kind of, uh, it's really funny when you, when you think about it. So, and finally, I, <laughs> and he said, uh, you get us both fired or something like that, you know, <laughs> if I say anything to him. So then, then I realized who Al Davis was. And then I remembered him from the senior bowl game. Yes, it was, it yep. back here He the look. And the guy who, who came up to me and said, Great game for the piano at the senior bowl. That was the guy, mm-hmm. but I didn't put it together.
0: It, it, yeah. it yeah, Ray, Ray Malavese, went on NFL head coach to a couple of stops there.
1: Oh yeah. Ray, well, what a, what a great guy. Mm-hmm. I miss him. And another guy named Joe Scanella and they're both from Clifton over here. Ah. And they're both Italian. And you know, me being Italian, Monica, Ciani, and Bella, There's six of us that we were on. We had a I'm little Italian sick. group.
0: Yep, the, the Paisans stick together. Well, speaking of the Paisans, that's a nice segue because now we go to 1972, so you know where this is going now. And uh, specifically December 23rd, 1972, Three River Stadium. And uh, the game that I guess it's, it's undisputed because with uh, all the great work that the NFL Network has done since the founding of the NFL Network, uh, there's never a shortage of documentaries and uh, the opportunity to go in depth on a number of subjects. Uh, they just uh, put it at the top of the list as the the number one and the one they picked the 100 greatest plays in the history of the NFL. This was the play that was number one. We're talking about the immaculate reception. And uh, in that game and on that play, you were far from an innocent bystander, uh, <laughs> Phil. Uh, but to, uh, to, to take us through the circumstances, uh, the, the Raiders uh, just, they had this snake bit as many games, the winningest team of the 70s. But they just had this snake bit playoff, the bad calmer in the playoffs. And I think that probably is the one that tops the list in the way that game turned around. But uh, yeah, you, you were there and you had some responsibility in that play that you can articulate for us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah Brian, that was, a, that was a, quite a play. And I mean, I remember like it was yesterday and I get reminded by Franco Harris all the time. And by Peyton Manning, you know, we did that Peyton's places this year. Peyton was trying to, he was the finally going to decide if it was a good play or a bad play. I mean, it was legal or not. Peyton couldn't decide. Nobody could decide.
0: Nobody could decide.
1: Yeah, it's nuts. But, I, you know, my, my part in that play was, you know, we had this thing we were working on, and it was a uh, two-linebacker defense. And they took out uh, – I think they probably took out Dan Connors, left Gerald Irons and myself in there. And we're covering the running back. So, Gerald would be covering Frenchie. I'd be covering Franco. And, um, and, but in the huddle, and this was our biggest, I mean, our our team was noted for getting the stupidest 15-yard uh, uh, personal fouls all the time. So, I remember in the huddle, even though I was only a second-year guy, no fouls, No no penalties, no penalties. Everybody, you know. Jack Tatum, <laughs> George Aggerson, these guys, are, they knock your head off in a heartbeat. So anyway, we, uh, uh, break the huddle, here's Franco. He's in the backfield. He's my guy. Fuqua is Gerald's guy. So, you know, Bradshaw takes the ball, boom, 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 boom. I run in. I grab Franco. I got him. And then I said, oh, all the guys got to do is throw a flag, give him a first down. So I let him go, and I kind of backed off him. And then he, and I figure, because Bradshaw went over there and then he went way over there and then he starts running down the field. And I said, what the, what's this guy doing? You know, in my mind. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Bradshaw, looking at Franco, And as soon as Bradshaw threw, I was gone. And then it all happened. Tatum, if you look at the newest film, right. he was trying to kill Fuqua. So he comes up, he blasts Fuqua. And the, the big thing was... When he blasted Fuqua, did the ball go off Frenchy's shoulder for right. Jack? Well, because Jack hit him from the back, we feel like it went off Frenchy. So that was the first thing. And, if, and and then I'm running at them, and the ball goes right over my head. I spin. I see Franco go down. Very low, Bernie, Very low to the turf. Mm, right. Matter of fact, we're not so sure he didn't drop that ball. Mm. But he snatches it. I got I got, a, I got a nice angle. I could have made the play. And they're end in. Mick Makin, dives in the back of my legs. But I don't fall. If I fall, if I fell, I'm wondering if I would have got a flag. Clip. But yeah. anyway, I, I got out of my fall. But Franco's now gone. And uh, so he, he runs down the sideline. Jimmy Warren's got a shot at him, but Franco's too big. So anyway, uh, I, the way I look at that play, Bernie, we had – holding on the line of scrimmage uh, about three different times. Uh, We got uh, Bradshaw going to Fuqua. The ball goes from offense to offense, which is illegal. That's the second thing that went wrong. Uh, The third thing was probably Franco trapped the ball. So that's three things that that went wrong. And then the fourth thing, I get clipped on that play. And then the fifth thing, the referee goes in the dugout and won't come out. John Madden's wanting him to come out. The place was nuts. It was totally nuts. But you know, Bern, when you look back on your career, it, it, it makes me laugh that I was part of that play. And that was probably the biggest negative thing that could have happened. And over the years, I've become friends with the Steelers, all those guys. We've done tons of charity stuff together. They're all my buddies. And every all we do is talk about the immaculate reception and, and laugh about it. I went out to uh, Pittsburgh, the 40th anniversary, you know, Franco invited me out to represent the Raiders and we did a whole weekend of events, which was unbelievable. That's when they put the big statue in the parking lot, right? Where it happened. When I was there. I got to represent the Raiders. Um, that was craziness. Franco got me in the Italian army. I still got my steel helmet there in the other, the other room. Uh, you know, we, it's, it's, it's turned out to be one of those plays. I hate to say it, but I'm kind of glad I was in it. I'm kind of glad the way it worked out. You know, it kicked off the Steelers to some unbelievable years, which actually, you know, made the games, you know, in 73 and 74 and 75, 76. Yeah. Those games were even better because of the yeah. immaculate reception because we hated them. We don't hate them as much as the Chiefs, but they're a close 2nd <laughs>
0: very much so and one of the things that I, I think is uh, somehow overlooked about that game is a little bit of an, a first uh, impression or a significant impact for Ken Stabler he came out of the bullpen yep. he Darrell Darryl LaMonica and, and it really kind of gave everybody a little perspective on what this guy could be which is I'm going to get it done I mean the, the fact that he makes that run untouched for the touchdown yeah no matter he's going to find a way and he was going to find a way all the way to the Hall of Fame, and that was really one of his first moments.
1: Oh, it it, it, re- it really was, and um, there was nothing before them like my whole rookie year, uh, when Daryl, Daryl just couldn't adjust, in my opinion, to those deep zones, mm-hmm. and they and they were perfect to pick off his passes because he would float them down here, be beautiful. Warren Wells be running down there, Cliff Branch be running. But they're easy to pick off with those deep safety men. Yep. Darrell never got a screen pass. Never got. He, he was just the man. Off the bottom. way. Yep. And Kenny, Kenny understood, I think, a little bit more about what the the um, the defenses were trying to do to the Raiders. And when he came in, he think think quick, 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 and then go deep. He much better for for the Raiders. But even in seventy-one, which was my rookie year, 72 was the American reception. Um, the guy who came in, you had La Monica and yet stabler, but the guy who came in was George Planta.
0: Right. That's right. right. He was he was the relief pitcher. He was the yeah. out of the pen.
1: And it, it was it was kind of unfair to Kenny. I mean, Kenny Kenny wanted some playing time, but you know, George would he go in and make it happen every time. You know, and uh, so yeah, but one Kenny in that when when John put him in in Pittsburgh, I mean here we are. What was it? Um,
0: six nothing. Six nothing at the time. Yep.
1: Come on, you can't play any more better defense. Score once in a while, you know. And uh, he put the snake in here. We got we got instant points, which was
0: wonderful. Held Franco to 60 yards rushing in the game, and uh, Fuqua's stats from that game is one that I guess that's why John is still teasing everybody. I'm gonna come out and tell what happened. Well, what happened to him that day, 16 carries for 25 yards. You couldn't have done a much you could have done a much better job of stuffing him that day, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the way it was, man. It, it, that's the way it, it you know, we played and hey, look at our offense. Their defense stuffed our offense too, you know? So it was um, we used to, you know, I know Ted Hendricks and I, we used to compare ourselves, you know, that ham Ham and Russell, and you know, Teddy and I would always compare ourselves to Hammond Russell or hmm. you know Bobby Bobby Bell over over in Kansas City. We used to like to watch their linebackers play. Excellent, excellent defense. And uh, yeah, those are going to be good games. And it was almost like the Yankee game the other night when the Yankees lost when it went up one, you know, one nothing, one one, two one, game's over. Right. You know, back in the, back in, you know, a lot of real baseball fans liked those games. I, a lot of real football fans like those defensive games when it's back in those days when you could hit. And, yeah. You know, it was brutal. Those games were absolutely brutal. And you, you knew when you came out of a Pittsburgh game or a Kansas City game, your body feels a little different, you know, till like Thursday.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's going to take a while. And your connection to Franco, um, I, I had to dig on this one, but. It was actually a connection that went back to New Jersey. And your dad, being an AD, going to the New Jersey high school football dinner. You were player of the year, what, 71? He was player of the year in 72. And your dad found out that there was some common ground with Franco's mom, Italian, and your dad Italian. You you were fellow paisans, dialect, uh, region of Italy, and so forth. Right. And I'm like, hey, Vern,
1: that's a, that's a god man. You good? You did your homework. That's good stuff. Because I remember it wasn't actually. It was the Italian American athlete yep. of the year. Mm-hmm. So I get it in '71. Franco gets it in '72, but I'm in California, so I couldn't go. But Franco went with his mother and father, and my father, and you know, naturally, my mother and father. He he loved it. Anything Italian. My father loved. So he got invited back forever. You know, he went back to that dinner for as long as they had it. But he goes that year, and Franco's mother is having a hard time talking, you know, or whatever. So my dad and her start talking in dialect. Because we're we're from Naples. My father from Naples and Franco's mother. So they spoke the same dialect. And then I'll never forget uh, the first time I probably the next year, me and Franco see each other pro bowl game. Because and it's a Franco, you know, my father and your mother. Oh, of course, I was there. But, you know, so that kind of started us off. You know, even you know, we played each other very, very hard. You know, we became really good friends, and uh, he's helped me out tons, and I've helped him out tons. When all these, you know, he he's very philanthropic. Franco raises a lot of money for a lot of things. Calls me in whenever he needs a raider to, uh, you know abuse and you know, it's we <laughs> yell at each other, you know. So anyway, he's a great guy, and then he's also supported all my things. Matter of fact, I got some pictures around here. Ah oh, Bernie, I'd love to show you. Yeah. I don't know where it is right now. It would probably take time. Mm-hmm. But at the Fra- – Franco used to have a tennis tournament, and it, it was played over in Brooklyn. And then you come back to the Marriott Marquis for the big dinner that night. So I go, I go, I come up to the tennis tournament, and then, you know, we're over there. I'm, I'm horrible, but we played. And then we came back to the uh, Mar- Marriott Marquis, and Howard Cosell was the MC oh, wow. of the dinner that night. Uh-huh. And the Temptations was <laughs> the entertainment. But better than that, yep. I got me. And Big Lyle Alzado, yep, Howard Cosell, and Floyd Patterson. Oh wow, standing together. Damn. Wow, that's what a fort. I got that. That picture is in the, that is my favorite picture. And Lyle and I look like two little babies next to uh, Howard Cosell and Floyd Patterson. But that that was great. And then then when the Temptations were playing "My Girl" that night, I'm singing along. And the guy goes, points me, come here. He brought me up on stage. It was cool. And that was all at Franco's dinner. So very, very, very cool. And, you know,
0: the big boys would show up for Franco. It, 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 indeed they would. And uh, obviously, the, from the immaculate reception uh, the following year, uh, Stabler takes over. And, uh, you know, the, the fight with the Chiefs, uh, once again, those battles with the Chiefs for first place, And uh, we you know, became legendary and uh, there was a a legendary incident, uh, which once again, you were in the middle of, Uh, if anybody doubted about the Raiders Chiefs rivalry at the time, Phil, uh, that one kind of spilled over It was kind of like, I think it was kind of searching for Vince McMahon and the WWWF, there was a little altercation around the Chiefs bench, which kind of ratcheted up the uh, intensity of that rivalry and your dad almost got involved. He almost came over the top rope in that one with one of your buddies.
1: Yeah, that was nuts. That was a, that was a good one. And, and, and uh, what happened was they swept Pogolak around the other Hold side up. for me. Yeah. So I jammed the tight end, and, you know, once you see him going, you go. And Atkinson being a strong safety, was in, a couple steps in front of me, and George nails Pogolak total elbow right to the face. It was a cheap shot as could possibly be. But in those days, that was okay. I'm running over and I see this guy come off the bench, who's aiming at George, but he don't see me. So, bam! I get this guy, and he goes flat. But I, when I hit him, I fell down by the Chiefs bench, and the next thing I know, the Chiefs are kicking me, and it was it was nuts. And this guy, and this uh, this was really good. By the time they pulled me out, and I remember Otis Sistrunk was. A big arm came down and got me out from under the bench. And this guy um, used to be the referee, Bernie Omey, Bob Bell. Oh, Remember? Yeah. Uh, Bell. Tommy
0: Bell. Tommy Bell.
1: Tommy Bell. Tommy Bell. Yep. Yeah. Tommy Bell was a referee. So I went to Elmira, New York, uh, to do a speaking engagement. Um, who was the great runner that went to Syracuse and also
0: uh, came out of Elmira? Uh, Ernie Davis.
1: Ernie Davis, you got it, man. You are so hot today.
0: That was so my three hundred point toss up question. Yep. There you go,
1: man. Thank Ernie Davis they, they had a dinner. They brought in uh, Bob, uh, Tommy Bell, and yep. me, We were the speakers. Hmm. So I told everybody there that night that I grew up, and I would, I would, uh, and my uncle Ali Catrano. With and that's my, my grandmother's name was Catrano, Villapiano Catrano. So Uncle Allie would run the uh, Easter egg hunt in uh, in Elmira and they put all the straw out there and they hide the eggs. And I told everybody, I mean, don't go near my eggs, I throw the people around. I mean, we came from Asbury Park, so we weren't like those people up there. <laughs> so but, uh, Tommy Bell loved my story about the Easter egg hunt. So as they, uh, they got me, and they got the two referees that got me pulled back after the fight. And, and, and Tommy Bell goes, a little different from an Easter egg hunt. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't know. I didn't even know it was him that, you know, here, here he was refereeing the game and they're dragging me off the field. He's talking about the Easter egg hunt. So, yeah, but there was a lot of a, well, One of my famous life. favorite penalties I ever got was in Kansas City the next year after the fight, and Len Dawson, believe it or not, is scrambling, and I'm back in covers, and he's, so he's scrambling, I I left my guy, and I'm coming up, and right about five yards from the sideline, I'm really getting close to him, and I go like this with my arm, like I was going to crash him on the head, you know? And the flags came from everywhere. I never touched them, but I just did it to intimidate them, just to make everybody get more pissed at us. And anyway, I got – John Mann come running out. He didn't touch him. He didn't touch – they threw a flag on him. They threw a flag on me. It was nuts. But that's the way – that's the way it was. And I remember another uh, Chief game. I'll give you two more Chief games. One, this has never happened in my NFL career. Mm-hmm. I always thought about playing a perfect half. And this has got to be 75-ish. Okay. Where you go three and out every time. Every time, stop. Every yep. time. Yep. You know, three and out, they punt every single time. So we're playing the Chiefs and we did it. We did the we did the perfect half. They punted every single time. We went into the locker room, we're all yeah, 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 yeah they they come out and start kicking our ass in the second half because we, we lost it. But we still won the game. <laughs> but uh, but another one was one time in Kansas City when they used to have that horse called Warpaint. Oh,
0: right around the field, the touchdown? Right around the field
1: every time oh. they scored. And we took a major league ass kicking. And we're in the locker room, and I was wondering how John Madden was going to handle it. And he goes, and he comes in, and he, and he goes, all right, take a knee. You know, everybody taking the at the end. and John always says something. He goes, well, we damn near killed that horse today. <laughs> you know, he <laughs> ran so much. And he's he going, let's get out of here. So, you know, John took it. He's a great guy. Oh, great guy. So, yeah, the Chiefs, Chiefs. Uh, you know, to this day, you know, I, I, I hate him. I hated him the other night. of such a nice win. Yep. And, you know, it was really funny when Bobby Bell hmm. gets traded to the Oakland Raiders it, after his probably 13, 14 years in Kansas City, and he gets traded to the Raiders, and my feet, I got big feet, and those fields up in Santa Rosa were like hard as a rock. And after about a you know, two or three, four days, your feet kill you. And Bobby Bell comes and he's in the locker room and he puts his feet in these scalding, I mean freezing cold ice pass hmm. after every practice. And I, and, I, and I I said, Bobby, why do you do that? And he goes, because my feet kill me. I go, really? He goes, I said, let me try this. I started doing it. I, and by the time, you know, Bobby Bell only only was there a couple weeks. I carried it on. The Raiders carried Everybody on the Raiders team did their feet. And then I got traded to Buffalo. And when I left Buffalo, everybody did their feet. That became a thing. All started by Bobby Bell. And I, every time I, you know, when I
0: see him out and about, we talk about that. you, know? you, so, get, you got to give a chief credit on that one. you know? got to give a chief credit. Yeah, he was a great linebacker. He was. He, he, he was tremendous. Yeah. The, the, the gauntlet that the Raiders had to uh, negotiate uh, was so arduous during that era. I mean, you had Pittsburgh. You had Miami. That 73 season, you beat Pittsburgh. You lost to Miami. The following year, you go 12 and two. The Sea of Hands game, you beat Miami, you lose to Pittsburgh. But as a prelude before we talk about the year in 1976, your memories about a game that I guess really to this day still has controversy surrounding it, and that was that AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh in 1975, where it might have been a little bit of gamesmanship maybe that went on there as you think back about uh, how the field might have been doctored, et cetera. That really kind of, I think it really kind of raised it to a whole new level in terms of the animosity and the grudge factor between those two teams.
1: Yeah, Burn, that, was, that was some game. And, you know, that, well, we, we did win it all in 76, but I think 75, we were definitely ready to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And that was one of the worst games we played all year. And they just took Freddie and Cliff right out of the game the center of the field, you could see it was this, you know, that had salt on it and it was, it, it was totally dry. And the whole, the whole, all of our routes, you know, we were, we were up the sideline. Yep. Yeah. We, we could, it, it was ice. And it was, I I've never played in such a cold game as that day. There was no way the ice could melt. It was just too cold. Matter of fact, This was crazy. I used to wear basketball knee pads because I liked the way they fit right over my knee. And I'm on the sideline and I'm bending down so my knee pad is, you know, like this, going going over to me. I got up and the knee pad was frozen and I went like this and the knee pad cracked. That's how cold it was. And I had to, give me another knee pad. So anyway, yeah, we, I don't know. You know, and not that we didn't do a good job on, on a, a Franco and and Frenchy and uh, you know whoever else was running the ball ran you know the uh, Notre Dame. Oh,
0: Rocky Blyer, yeah, with Blyer.
1: Yeah, yeah Rocky, man, no, the, the, that was a great hard running game. But it seemed that every time they wanted something, they got it right off that seam. Well, we're out, we're out there when it's so when it's frozen, and so anyway. You know, they they used to say that when teams would come into, uh, you know, our stadium, Alameda County, you know, why was it always soaking wet it hadn't rained out there in months and it would be a swamp? Well, you know, everybody used to do their little things and uh, mm-hmm. you know, for an advantage. And I, I laugh at that Spygate and the other stuff that, you know, Belichick is accused of doing because, that man – there, there, there was no secrets, you know. If, right. if, they, if you, there was a way to cheat, these owners would cheat, and it was fun. That was all part of the game. I remember mean, we we're, we're, were playing. talking about the Steelers uh, that in '76 in, in when we did when we did win the Super Bowl. You know, Franco and and uh, Rocky get hurt the week before, so they come up with this offense. This is Thursday afternoon. We had already left the field, practicing for their regular offense. man says, get your stuff back on. Let's go. So by their practice ended in in the east. John had photographs of the oh. of their no you know awesome. of, of their new know. formation with this yeah. Reggie with four tight ends and a fullback. They put you know so we went out there we we worked on it Thursday, Friday, Saturday. When they opened up what it was, yeah, baby. Come on. <laughs> they were they weren't going anywhere. So, um, yeah, there was ways. And, you know, I, I – I, I, speaking of, one of my dear friends from the Steelers and Steeler rivalries, the Ray Mansfield was their center. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he – so we're – here's uh, – Jarela is going to kick this field goal and Mansfield goes down over the ball and you go – he's in his hand – and, you know, we're, we're all lined up. We're ready to go. And he calls the ref over and he goes, look at this. And on the ball, it was F-U-C-K-Y-O-U, right? <laughs> right in big silver. So it says it. And the referee picks up the ball, you know, and and, and, oh, and the referee walks the ball over to the sideline.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, it's F-U. So he walks in and, and the man's like, what are you doing? Well, everybody thought they wrote that on the ball because we hated the Steelers. No. Those balls were the kicking balls. Those balls were probably five or ten years old. And they ah. would kick them you know, during the week. These were old. Yeah. But in order for the players not to steal the balls and bring them home to their kids, they wrote that on the ball. But how did it get on to the field? Yeah. Just when Jarela needed to make a, you know, a 40-yard field goal. That ball wouldn't have gone 30, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, so, anyway, the, who put that you – know, who gave that ref the ball? So, I I, la- I laugh about that, and, you know. So, Ray Mansfield, we, we laughed about that forever. He tells that story wonderful. And then, you know, there was a little Italian guy, Lou, who used to keep the clock in Oakland. And a lot of those a lot of those crazy drives that we had that we won by two seconds. Yeah. Yep. Lou made that happen. <laughs> a little sleight
0: of hand with Lou, a little yeah. on the trigger.
1: And then, and then sometimes when they got the ball, boy, those the, the clock would just tick, 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 tick. So, <laughs> you know,
0: so there was all these things going on we met when. It 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 indeed. At nineteen seventy-six was uh well it, it it turned out to be uh, as as Vince Scully said, when the Brooklyn Dodgers finally won in 1955, he said, next year comes to Brooklyn. So 1976, next year came to Oakland. You mentioned the only loss was 48-14 to 14 in Foxborough to the Patriots. Other than that, ran the table and ran the table all the way back to, you know, here you are. You had to slay these dragons along the way, the Steelers, the Dolphins. Here's the Patriots. The, team that, the only team to knock you off, they come to Oakland for the playoff game, December 18th, 1976. And uh, that, that, that's a game, one of those NFL games that has taken on a life and a, a mythology of its own, L- let alone the fact that I don't think there's too many that are going to dispute. You mentioned Russ Francis earlier, Phil. That yeah. might have been the greatest single tight end versus linebacker uh, battle of all time in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you got some fond memories as you think back to uh the circumstances of that game and 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 what followed on the that very once again that very arduous road to finally getting over the hump and winning the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, that was uh well we knew it was going to be a uh, we knew what we were in for and when somebody beats you the way they beat us in Foxboro you know you don't forget it and you know and you know and, you know, like a, a heavyweight fighter or something you yeah, you know you, you don't forget you, you're gonna come out and, and, and fight your hardest but you also have doubt why did they beat us so bad you know and I'll never forget the, the great Raiders that we were and we just beat somebody the week before and you know we we, we went right through everybody to get there but that patriot team they they you know they we, we we had a little bit of doubt so I remember um, you know John Mann and, you know, and Al Davis, you know, you, I got to stop Russ Francis. And George Atkinson, who's my sidekick out there, um, I, I said, George, this guy's a beast. So he goes, well, what well, 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 you know, why don't we just do this? You know, you you first play, you just grab him. And I'll just come in and nail him. I'm like, that sounds good. <laughs> and it, maybe it wasn't a first play. Maybe it was a second. But it definitely happened in the first series. And George, I got him. You know, because not every play, you know, if if he's going to go block down, you can't grab him. Anyway, when I grabbed him, I had him, and I'm struggling, and George comes in and blasts him. His nose ended up over here. It was amazing. I'd never seen a nose so out of joint. And while we looked at each other, we are kind of happy. We thought we saw the end of Russ Francis. No. They went over They stuck the things up. They snapped it back. They put these big gauze things in his nose. So the blood was coming through the gauze. And here he comes back again. (laughs) George and I looked at each other like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. So Russ and I, what a beautiful battle we had that day. And Tony Battieri, who was the line judge, was right there. And he got me for about three holders. He got Russ about three times pushing off. It it was in the fourth quarter, and I don't know if anybody – people don't know this, but a referee, you you don't – they don't like to take over games with so many penalties. So maybe it was two for me, two for him on each other. But it was really, really rough, and the blood was everywhere all the time. And uh, Viteri says, come here, the both of us. I'm done with you guys. I'm done with you guys. I'm not calling another – so he backs off and you know, but that happens on the football field sometimes. So on the play at the end of the game that Russ and I, I mean, I knew he was gonna shove me. Right. Because that's how, that's what he does. And he turns around and Grogan would drill. Right. And you can't stop that. Yep. But I said, uh-huh. I knew he was gonna do it. So I was ready for him to shove me. And then I snapped back and snapped his arms down. The ball hits off his chest. And he goes, He's pointing. And Batiri's not paying any attention. <laughs> yeah, he shoved me, and I snapped his arms down. But it, but it, we'd already been told that he wasn't gonna call penalties uh, any more penalties on us. So that was that was kind of cool. So then we get the ball back, and then you know on that because that's fourth down, and then we drive down the field, and he got the Sugar Bear Hamilton hitting the snake in the head, which was another big controversy. There was two of them right back to back. And uh, and then Snake gets the ball, and he dives in the end zone. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful day that was. So
0: I tell you what, beating those Patriots was a lot harder than beating the Steelers the next week. They were a good team. I, I remember we, we talked for the, uh, for the most memorable Patriot games, and you said that uh, that Patriot team, if you played 10 times, they might have won eight of them. I mean, you yeah. know that, that. I mean that, that. That's. I mean, they had the marquee player at uh, how many different positions. You go right around. Yeah. And be able to be able to, uh, be able to, to you know, survive. You know, once again, you know, survive and advance. You did uh, after uh, after some little bit of little bit of controversy still discussed today. Uh, and yeah, for the record, two holding penalties and two offensive PIs in the first half, and then <laughs> and then it was all bets are off. You know, and not surprisingly. Yeah. Good, yeah. good.
1: There you go, Bernie. I, I, it was. It was. Yep. It was just. I loved those games. Yep. I loved them. And, um whew, And that was the guy that when John Madden, when we're at when we go into, we go into uh, Fox Burgos and I go, he's a look. He's he's a rookie, no problem. Uh, uh, Russ Francis, a monster. I don't know if you know uh, the follow up on that, Bernie, but um, I went over to. Uh, when the Pro Bowl went to Hawaii, I went over there one year oh, just to
0: watch the game. That's right. Yep. And Russ story. took me
1: for yep. a little flight, you know. So him and I become pretty good buddies because we do Pro Bowls together. Hmm. And then I go over there and he really liked my wife. And he goes, hey, you get Patty. Well, you know, I'll take you for a, a, a flight. So we get up there in this little teeny plane. He's the, the pilot. I'm sitting next to him and there's... Seat in the back where Patty is. And we got all you got is a thing that comes over a seatbelt. And the door handles were knobs. So you slide it back and the door goes open. So we're flying and he wants to show us the whales over uh, by uh, one of the islands over there, Maui, I think. So we go over there and then all of a sudden he goes, and now he's up there straight up and I'm straight down. And he's looking, and he reaches over and he grabs that knob, and it goes like that. And the door goes flying over. Now I got the I got the strap on me, and plus you're you're low in those seats. But I'm like, "What are you crazy?" And and Patty's screaming. And he goes, "Did you hold me?" And I said, "Yes." And he went, you, "I knew you did." <laughs> it was like he was so cool about it. But that plane could have flipped. It could have done anything. I, I and mean, here he didn't give a shit about the plane. He was just wanted to scare me to death. and That was nuts. And we, 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 you know, Russ and I, hey, the harder you play against somebody, the better friends you are with them oh. later in life. You know, that's, that's a for
0: instance. Yep, the, the bonding experience. That was just Russ Francis's form of a polygraph test. That's all, Phil. You yeah, know? That's all. That's yeah. all. Yeah. That's, all. <laughs> that's, that's A unique way, unique way of doing things. The guy, Howard Cosell, called him all-world. Yes, um, I remember that. He was. It, indeed. You get by the Steelers the following week and a uh, game that you mentioned, 24-7. Um, uh, to 7. Now, on to the Super Bowl. You played no small part in that Super Bowl. The, the play that is talked about probably the, as the turning point, the momentum-shifting play of the game was your play at the goal line. Just to give us your perspective as you think back. I'm sure you pretty fondly think back on that play. I think you've referred to it as maybe the perfect tackle, or, the, or you played it perfectly and it all turned around for the Raiders' fortunes from that point against the Vikings.
1: Yeah, you, you know, I mean, there, there's another one, uh, Bernie. And back in those days, AFC, NFC. It wasn't established yet that the AFC was the better of the two conferences and but we were on our way okay and i know the dolphins and then the steelers and then us so we're on our way but you always had to worry about those nfc teams they were they were old school blah, blah 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 so anyway we practiced extra hard and we had gotten beaten by the vikings my rookie year up in up it was freezing cold up in minneapolis they're playing outside one of them old stadiums again
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill, was it Bill, Bill Brown? Bill Brown, the running back, yeah, with the crew, oh! the 30. Oh, my God. It was so cold.
1: Nobody wanted to tackle that kid. So, anyway, they, they, they had a little a little something on us. But we were ready for them in the Super Bowl game. And a great Ray guy, our, our great punter, never had a punt blocked in high school, college, The guy comes off the side, slaps the butt down. The ball rolls back. Thank God, Ray jumped up and made the tackle on the two-yard line. And here we go. Now we come on. We come on the field. And the very first. Now I had a little problem that week because Chuck Foreman said that we're probably going to end up going. We're probably going to end up going around Philip Pianos, and you know we don't want to mess with Hendricks. Oh, boy! That pissed me off. So here he comes. And he, I got I got the tight end Stu Boyd. I got him. I throw him. Bam! I hit uh, Foreman. That was that was my first good tackle of the game. Mm-hmm. So now on second down, they take out their wide receivers and they bring in two more offensive tackles. So now they got four offensive tackles in there, and we practiced all week long. And this to me was very logical, but to John, Madden, he cracked up at it. But when they took out and they took out the wide receivers, they're not going to throw. They bring in the tackles. We saw them on film about 25 times. They only ran off guard and off tackle. So we run in a couple more linebackers, and they put me down over Ron Yeri, who was now the tight end, and Floyd Rice was on the outside of me, and Willie Hall and Teddy were over there, and um, no, Rod Martin or whatever whoever it was over there, Jeff Barnes. So we got now we have four linebackers and Monty and Willie, and we've got six linebackers on the field. We loved that all week long. And we thought we could tackle anybody. And here, so I when I saw the guys running off, we're already in our huddle. I said, "Macho ball, macho ball. That's Monty Johnson. And I go, jumbo. And he looks and he sees the guys going he, here comes our linebackers. And I go, I we got them where we want them. And 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 I'm saying, I said we got him where we wanted because now we they only ran two plays right
0: off we that two plays
1: you know I and mean, yeah. it's easy yep so anyway Tarkenton takes the snap they you know I, I we call it a jumbo pinch and my job was to shoot right in front of Yari and get into the backfield he never touched me I got right there to give the ball to McClanahan bam I stuck my face right on the ball and I felt it come out. And I got him. I would not going really let him get the ball. And Willie Hall recovered it. And it turned out to be a really huge play. But the hmm. funnest part about that play that I never even thought about yep. was Jack Tatum is listening to me tell him we got him where we want him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we go to the sideline and he goes up to Madden and he goes, hey, hey, John, you better go check out Phil. He's screaming, and he's screaming, and we got him where we want him down there on the goal line. <laughs> so man comes over to me. Now we, so we go 82 yards or something. We score. So now, you know, we're gonna we're gonna kick off, and man comes over and he goes, "Hey, fool, you all right?" <laughs> well, yeah. What's what's the matter, coach? was Tate's telling me you're screaming down on the goal line. We got him where we want him. I looked at John and I said, "I said, John, we did." And he laughed and he laughed and he walked away. And um, you know, John. Later on in my life, um, Bernie, that came back to help me that particular incident. And I, I, I go into sales, okay? Yep. Nope. And I, you know, when you first start calling customers and stuff, and people don't want to talk to you when. You know you and plus I had you know i I'm, I'm I'm a rookie, I did like six off seasons I told you earlier with that steamship line, so right. I knew a little bit about shipping, but John Madden comes out with that first book, like something about the knee uh, one that's yard.
0: Right. these uh, equals yeah, that's right, two feet equals yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. anyway,
1: in that book, he talks about that what I just told you about me screaming on the goal line, we got them where we want them. <laughs> and John Madden said something that I read that book and it meant a lot to me because he said, people that think like that, how could we lose? And I said to myself, he didn't say tackle, he said think. And yep. I, apl- I applied that to my career of sales and I'm still selling to this very day. And man, I I just took all the things from the Raiders and that made me have this crazy brain and, and and apply them to sales, and it worked. And so I, John saying that made me feel so comfortable about getting on that phone, and be being aggressive, and all that, all the all the good stuff. You know, that, you know. Well, John was a master. Psychologist too, man. He he right. knew just what to say, when to say it at the right time. And most of the great football coaches are that way. But I I know for a fact John was that way because, man, he could he could make somebody that's so down feel so good, and somebody feels so who's out there, you know, hot shotting it and crush them. You know, so he was a great man. But that all happened on say, my
0: Super Bowl Sunday. I got more out of it than just a Super Bowl ring. No, well, it it indeed something to take with you the rest of your life, and and life lessons from the, the people, the company you keep, people like John Madden, and uh, a, really a culmination uh, for not just the members of the team, but really for uh, Raider Nation, which is a a, a unique place uh, to uh, be able to inhabit, and uh, as far as the uh, the fans and uh, celebration for the fans above and beyond to uh, to finally win the Super Bowl, when when you think back about your experience with the Raiders and the fans and that relationship, uh, unique in sports as I look at it from the from the outside in terms of what it meant to be a Raider, and you certainly personified what it meant to be a Raider, but a uh, very unique relationship, which I guess now has to translate itself to Vegas and a whole new chapter in history.
1: Right, and you know something, burn it's good. It's going to be just fine. I mean, Oakland was the perfect scenario, right? Just like you, you, you got a girlfriend and she's the perfect scenario for a while and then you, you get a better one. I think you needed, you needed to start in Oakland and you needed to, you know, have that, you know, have that persona, the nasty guys the black guys, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're black and we bleed black and, we, and, the, and the fans were all part of us and stuff, but I was talking to Mark Davis not long ago and he goes, Bill, the, the, the beauty of this move is and it's nothing against Oakland. Hmm. It's that we are a national team oh, and in nice. Vegas we can be a national team, not a regional team. We're not a Denver Bronco anymore. We're not a Kansas City Chief anymore. We are a Dallas Cowboy. We're a New York Giant. We're a national team that's going to draw from everywhere. And it's going to be so cool. And get and so many people from the Bay Area that are going to come over to Vegas are going to enjoy it more. I've had uh, a, a tour of the stadium. It is unbelievable. i got this guy, Tommy, who... Ran the uh, Raider Nation store, not Raider Nation. What do you call it? Raider Raider Image, over right by the stadium out in in, um, uh, in uh, Oakland. And Tommy is now he's running. He says, "Phil, my store in the stadium is bigger than Macy's. He's, <laughs> every single thing is first class. Everything they have. You you can play against players. You know, uh, kind of like vi- video games and." You can do all kinds of stuff. So he took me on a tour and I saw this nice hot on a mannequin and a little low cut thing. I said, Tommy, get me that. Send it to my house for my girlfriend, you know? <laughs> so anyway, he, he he loved it. So I, I did that. There's a bar in the stadium. It's gotta be a coincidence, but I don't know. It's something something forty one. I told I told Mark. That's my bar. I want a table in there every home game. <laughs> I got my tickets already, my season tickets. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm not going to use them this year. But this, there is, in the end zone of the stadium that's pointing down the strip, there's got to be a bar. If it's an inch, it's 50 yards. Wow. 50 yards. Wow. See, 10 yards, 10 yards, 50 yards. And right behind the bar is – Torch, Al Davis's eternal torch. Hmm. Mark has set it up where anybody in the stadium can go to that bar and drink Ah. and be with his father and be with, you know, that and anybody, sweets to walk ons can go and and he wants all the Raider Nation to be together.
0: Mm -hmm. His,
1: where he goes in with his car, he goes down a hill, down a ramp. He parks the car. He gets in the elevator. He comes up the elevator. And before he gets to his gigantic suite, which is like ridiculous, he's got to walk through fans. He can't do it without seeing fans. Yep. And my guy who took me on his tour happens to be one of the head engineers out there. He said, Mark wants it this way. He wants the players Thanks. and yep. the fans, everybody to be yep. like Nate Raider Nation, kind of like your old black hole in Oakland.
0: So we're going to have a real experience starting next year. I hope. It, it, indeed. Your, your rated career, you'd stayed always remarkable in the NFL, especially the NFL, of the seventies. You stayed injury free until that following year, 1977. You had a season ending injury, ironically against the who else, but against the Steelers, the second game of the year, uh, yeah. 20 ACL. And, um, uh, it wasn't quite the same after that as far as the, uh, the, the rate of fortunes. Uh, Tom Flores had taken over in 1979, uh, a couple of years missing the playoffs, and uh, then uh, traded to Buffalo. W- one thing I wanted to note about the trade to Buffalo, on or about 1977, you had suggested to Al Davis, we ought to go get this guy Bob Chandler. Uh, <laughs> while we fast forward to 1980, and, well, it's, you know, life in professional sports, as it turned out, Bob Chandler came to Oakland, and you weren't receiving your mail in Oakland anymore.
1: <laughs> You're right, Bernie. That was a funny one. Uh, well, you know there was a there was a little something before that. Um, you know how much I was I was as loyal as anybody and all of that stuff I just told you about being the national team and being in Vegas. I mean, this is hindsight. I'm older now, mm-hmm. but when it got announced. And, and we, there was about 16 of us Raiders playing golf one day. We come off the golf tournament, the golf pro comes outside as we're walking up and I'm standing right next to Gene Upshaw. And he goes, you guys are moving to Vegas. And I looked at Uppy because Uppy knew everything. Yeah, Uppy, what's going on? He goes, I know nothing about it. He says, it's on TV. So we go in and Al is telling the whole world that we're moving to Vegas. <laughs> So we go, we go back to Dave Dalby's house for a nice barbecue and I'm wanted to, and the, and, and the Oakland Tribune found out where we were. And then I'm and they wanted to interview certain people and I think I was the last guy to get an interview, probably had 25 beers at the time. And I tell uh, Dave Newhouse that this is wrong. Why does he do stuff like this? We are Raiders, we're Oakland Raiders. So I, and somehow or another, whatever I said, the headlines was, Villa Piano won't go. Huh. Well, Al never said a word about it about mm. two, uh, two more years. A couple of years. Until, until it was the offseason to move and he, the old Bobby Chandler. Mm. And then when I asked Al, who do you have to give up for Bobby Chandler? He goes, you. <laughs> and then he looks at me and, I, and he did and, and, and I mean, this on the phone and he goes, you don't want to go to L.A., do you? you know just to stick it in a little more but i went to buffalo had four great years in buffalo i had a good chance a a great great time yeah i got to, you know and and everything's a learning thing and when um rod martin started playing he was not ready to play and they had me on the uh the right side they had put teddy on when i hurt my knee they, they switched to me, me and Ted, and Merle Moore came in, a bunch of junk. I, I never got my position back. And then they decided they're going to put me in the middle in a 3-4, and I didn't realize how important that was. So my last two years in Oakland, Rod was playing the outside, I was playing the inside, and I learned how to play the inside linebacker. So then when I get traded to Buffalo, up to Buffalo, and I – we, we did my contract in like 10 seconds. And I'm like, this is too easy. So I, we fly up the next day, and Chuck Knox wants to meet me, who's the head coach up there. And he goes, hey, Philly, you got to understand something. This team, we don't have a lot of depth. So you're not going to be a starter. And I'm like, what? You know Why am I not going to be a starter? He says, I want you to play all four spots. You are backing up. Everywhere, and you know, linebackers get hurt every week. You know, and so I played a lot of football for Chuck <laughs> Knox, but I very rarely did I ever play the position I liked the most, which is the left side outside.
0: Outside, yeah. left side
1: inside, and, and I played all over the place. And uh, it, this was one of my favorite games of my whole life. We are in San Francisco, and uh, Joe Montana is a rookie. And we need to win this game. We beat New England, your team, the week before. If we win in, in San Francisco, we clinch AFC East. My first year in Buffalo. The, the, the week before I played quite a bit. Uh, the, the middle linebacker uh, broke his hand. And I played pretty much that whole game in New England. Now we're now we're in, and all of a sudden, this guy. His name's Shane Nelson, the middle linebacker. Oh, yes, I remember the name, yeah. He's got a miracle recovery. <laughs> He's going to start with a broken hand. <laughs> and I'm like, are you shitting me? I'm a Super Bowl player. I've just played a great game. I think this, and, and, and I got two good hands. He's yeah. going to be better than me with a broken hand. So uh, about three or four plays into the game, Knox looks over at me and says, Billy, go get him. Sends me out there. I called the game mm-hmm. and we beat the 49ers. I never was so happy about a win. And I'm talking Super Bowl win and everything because I needed to prove to myself, I still could play. And that, and I could play at that level. And I really nay I gave Buffalo everything I had and it worked. Guess what? We go to the first playoff game and she put that other jerk back in there. So anyway, <laughs> really, oh, put this again. Yep. But anyway, so it, you know, Buffalo. That one game was great. I got four years up there. I probably could have got five or six if I didn't blow out another knee on the turf. But anyway,
0: yeah. all good. Thirteen yep. years, nice, nice yeah. run. Th- Thirteen years, no complaints. Uh, Looking back, and it's almost like it's like a a jukebox filled with you, but just to give people an idea of the swashbuckling and unique style of the Raiders, some of the reference points, the the notorious training camp at Santa Rosa, you were acknowledged as the social director, shall we say. I read about ruining Jim Otto's Thanksgiving, uh, (laughs) doing interior decorating at John Matuzak's house, drinking contests with mandatory attendance, all kinds of Camaraderie building activities, occasionally meeting a young lady and having her visit practice sand uh, apparel. Uh, let's see, setting fire, uh, making friends with the Hells Angels and the Black Panthers at the time. I mean, all these things. But if I had to one story to recount here, I took particular interest because I have been a wedding efficient on two occasions uh, for friends of mine. And on both occasions, I hearkened back to Flip Wilson and said, the church of what's happening now is now in session. Uh, you gotta tell us about the wedding in Santa Rosa. And do those poor people to this day, do they even know whether they're married or not? You gotta just tell that story. I please, gotta so hear that
1: fun. That's so funny. Let me, let, wait a minute, Bernie. This is on this one, I, got, I can help out here.
0: Okay. Oh, right, here we go. We got visual aids here for this one. See okay. this? Can you see what that says? Uh, bamboo room, and what does it say? Bamboo room. Yeah, uh, you can see you can see
1: all your boys are on there. That's it. We got, you know, we got. Uh, let me see. We got. Here's uh, Danny Medlin. Here's Art Shell. there's Dave Dolby. Art Tom's, John Matusak, Ted Hendricks, Johnny Bella, Mark Van Egan. Uh, who else? Me, Upshaw. This mm-hmm. was just a little smattering of the guys. So mm-hmm. when practice was over every day, it was mandatory. That we go to the bamboo room and drink, you know, and we we had pitchers. Everybody had a pitcher, not mm-hmm. a glass, a pitcher. Pitcher beer. Have them all ice cold. We come there at the same time, and, and everybody had their name on their pitcher, so everybody would pick them up. And it, there was some, there are few people that were in, in there every day, and they they became friends of ours.
0: The regulars.
1: And, yep. Yeah, and regulars. Yep. And there's and there's one couple decided they wanted to get married. And here's our Toms over here. And we said, wow, we, we can help you with that because uh, we have a, a reverend on the team. And our Toms had just gone from a pot smoking derelict to a Christian guy. So he found that him born again. Be, yeah, yep. born again. Yep. So he's, Now he's born again. So we decided that he could officiate the wedding. Why not? So, so what? So anyway, Art takes it serious. He goes, "I can do that. I'm ordained. Blah blah blah. I've, I've worked hard on this for the last couple of years." So anyway, he was going to be, the, he was going to be, the the priest, but he, the reverend. He, but he's not. He's a joke. So anyway, <laughs> one problem. Yeah. Yeah. So we got. So we we all come in our best T-shirts, and that day. And, be, and we we had the guys outside with their with the we had a whole bunch of, of uh, motorcycles in camp and we had trucks, okay, and a, a lot of guys had trucks. So anyway, we have right in the in the uh, bamboo room, we have the wedding, and then we proceeded to give them a motorcade ride up and down Santa Rosa Avenue, honking the horse. Here's the Oakland Raiders with these two people sitting in the back. She wore a wedding gown. She had a wedding gown. He had a tie. And in the back, we gave them candy. They're throwing candy. You're not that anybody was there. It was just one <laughs> big joke. And then we gave them a week in. We, we always could go to Lake Tahoe. The, the, the guys up the uh, Sahara Tahoe loved us. So we oh. gave them a week as a honeymoon. Oh. And we, we, we said goodbye to them. By the time they came back, you know, training camp was over. So I have no clue if they ever really found out if they were really married, but they're really not.
0: (laughs) I was not ordained. We know that, you know, he he was not a minister and he didn't play one on TV, but. uh,
1: No, no, the king, we call him King Arthur. He was a, he's a whack job, just like the rest of us.
0: By the the power invested in me by Al Davis and the bamboo room. I pronounce you man and wife. There There you you go. go.
1: Isn't, it's, isn't that something? I can't believe we have the bamboo room picture. That's where the wedding took place.
0: Oh, t- fantastic that you had the picture right there also, Phil. Tr- tr- tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. And uh, being from, we, we have a tradition here on the program. We try to make everybody feel at home. And I have quite a uh, vast uh, wardrobe of esoteric items. I am a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. I first saw him in 1978. I've probably been, I don't know, maybe 50 concerts. I'm just guessing over a 40-year period. So I did wear, I got a Bruce Springsteen 2003 t-shirt. Beautiful. I see it. I see it. Get get, get up higher. Get up higher. So get up higher here to see it. Yeah. Yep. Bruce Springsteen, there it is. Even got the Garden State Parkway up in the corner there, the symbol of the Garden State Parkway. And that was from 2003 when he did the uh, 10 sold-out shows at the Meadowlands at giant Stadium. Unbelievable. Oh,
1: Unbelievable. No. Stay, right, stay right here, Bert. Okay.
0: I'm not stay going right, anywhere. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yep.
1: Look what we got here. Okay. Can you see it? Uh, wow. That's Bruce and There's Terry Bruce. McGovern.
0: And, and who's that?
1: Terry, a guy named Terry McGovern, who was Bruce's right-hand man. Oh, okay. We used to do. I got a story for you. This happened. Terry's girlfriend. Uh, I was actually involved with Muscular Dystrophy Association for a long, long time. Sure. And then they they started affiliating themselves with ALS disease. They find out it was a neuromuscular disease. Uh huh. Terry McGovern, right here, who's sitting here with Bruce, his girlfriend gets the disease, ALS. Hmm. So we. You know, um, so now Terry and I get to meet because he wants to know what my organization could do. And, you know, we had to put a ramp in her house for a wheelchair and all that stuff. But the night this night where these guys are dressed up, we had our dinner and we had a big gala every year. Hmm. And Bruce, you know, through Terry, Bruce showed up and and he did. And, you know, it, it was all – I mean, it was crazy. We, the word got out. I think we had like 500 people in a 400-person place. Oh, gosh. It was nuts. Everybody with the tuxedos on. Everything was great. And Bruce came to sing a song, okay, for Terry's that, girlfriend. Oh, wow. And uh, he sang Jersey Girl. Bruce, I was going to say, got to sing Jersey Girl for her. Yep, he sang Jersey Girl it's all done he goes like this takes his his guitar sticks it up in the air and he says does anybody want this does anybody want this guitar and the place goes crazy he oh, goes it's going to cost you thirty thousand bucks he got for the guitar wow right on the
0: spot oh and, man. and that
1: joan joan dancy was the uh, terry's girlfriend's name so and Joan Dancy was sitting there with the thing up to her throat. She could hardly breathe. Oh. I don't think she was traped at the time, but she was sitting there frozen. Oh. And the tears are running down her oh, face. Man. And Bruce went over and gave her a giant hug. It was the
0: coolest thing, man. Wow. This is my man, Bruce Springsteen. Oh. I love him. Absolutely. How, I like, love him. You know, with you being, you know, Asbury Park, I said, he's got to be connected, you know, way back. I think I found a note about you uh, being a, a young NFL player when greetings from Asbury Park came on. It make you feel right at home. Oh, Madame Marie, yeah. the Stone Pony, the Tilt A Whirl, uh, the 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 Wonder Bar. Thank you, Andy. The Empress Hotel. All yeah. of those. I mean, all of a sudden, it was here. It was on record for you. That must have been a little homesick out there in Oakland when the album came out.
1: Oh, uh, it was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I couldn't wait to come home. Plus, you got the yeah. convention hall right there on the front. Yeah. Yeah, reading from Asbury Park, and I saw Bruce. There was um on Kingsley Street. There was an old hotel, and mm-hmm. you could get served in if you knew the right people. You could get served up all hours in the morning in the basement of the Kingsley. Mm-hmm. So I come back home. Uh, the season's over. So maybe February, freezing outside. Mm-hmm. I go down in there, and and here's Bruce sitting there with a, with a group of his guys, mm-hmm. and we got talking. And and, and he, oh, so I, 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 there was no Raider Nation at the time, but I said, Bruce, there's no other team for you but the Raiders. They think like you. They you know, all, your, they all love your songs. And, you know, he's a great guy, and we, you know, very 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 cool guy, and we all we all love him. And I got to see him play the very first time at a place called the Student Prince, and right on Kingsley Street, in Nasberry. Wow. wow. And he was all by himself, solo, Bruce. Yeah, singing, just playing his guitar, and the, the owner in there, who was a friend of mine, goes, "Bill, wait to hear this guy. This had to be '69, '68, something oh, like that." Wow. Yeah, you know, I was still up. Yeah, I, ju- I was in college, but wow. you could
0: get served in there. Yeah, so that's it, why we went. You know? I was going to say you knew which places to places to go. Oh, and yeah. I think, he, and you had him on the sidelines once. Was it Max Weinberg's wedding party? Yeah, on the sidelines for a jet game, John Madden's like, "Where the hell did these guys come from? Who oh, are these
1: long heads." Crazy. Well, this this was the worst. Uh, it was good and bad. When the game started, I mean, when we went out for pregame warmups, their seats were right behind the bench, yeah. and they got all excited, right? It, it was yeah, it was Max's wedding, so they got <laughs> they got all excited because here's the team. But during the game, the players stand up. You can't see shit.
0: Right. So Where's seat went, the house?
1: So then we started calling them up one by one, and putting them on the sideline. Pretty soon we the guys all their hair is all hanging down there. They're all they're all down on one knee on the sideline. Oh. So Bruce Bruce didn't make the he didn't make the game. Uh-huh. So I think the wedding was the night before. It was probably Saturday night, and this was Sunday afternoon. But Max was there. Everybody else was there. It was good.
0: <laughs> tremendous, tremendous. And uh, the only other uh, little item. I'm also. I'm a big Southside Johnny in the Asbury Jukes. Oh yeah. So here's here's one for you.
1: Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, Southside is, Yeah, we love him. You know that. Martell's. Martell's Tiki Bar, there you go. Good job.
0: Southside is uh one of the you know, all all-time all-time favorite of mine, also. Uh the, the rich musical history, among other things, of the uh of, of the Jersey Shore. Uh, Phil, as we we wrap up. You mentioned about uh, the charitable causes. You've done some amazing work uh, over the years for a number of charitable causes. You had uh, uh, the the Field of Hope. You raised, what, $3 million for ALS with the event that you did annually uh, with the golf event. Uh, You were also, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you named an executive at the Jimmy V Foundation, Uh, saved the Jersey Shore back with uh, the hurricane uh, several years ago. Um, is there anything that you'd like us to mention in particular now about charitable causes that you'd like to see the folks that are going to have the opportunity to enjoy? And I do mean enjoy this time we've spent together uh, to promote. Is there anything? Well, thanks, Bertie.
1: And, you know, you get to a certain age, you know, and I'm, I'm never too old to help out. I still do. You know, we do the Monmouth well, park charities and other Monmouth park charities who give, we just, we just give money and then give it away. It's crazy. But, um, you know, it, it makes you feel so good. And I, I, I'm I just hoping that the players that are active now and relevant now, you lend their name, get out and help. You know, it's it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful thing to give back. And I have had a million almost in my life almost getting killed. Uh, you know, and I, I fell. I fell. Yeah, my son sends me home this box about three weeks ago, I've had some beers. I, I won a big tournament, a golf tournament in the afternoon. I came, I walk around the thing, to, I kicked this box, it goes up against something, and I couldn't get my foot out, and bam, I fell, I, I, and I kept saying, I could have been my face hitting off this counter. Yep. Yeah, But I've had a million of those, but my point is, I think, and, and, I, and I like to call it grace of God or something, You give back an angel. Yep. You are guardian, you're right. You 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 get lucky sometimes. And I've been very lucky in my life and and I've always given and it seems to, you know, help me stay lucky. So people that are listening to this, be get involved, man. Get involved. And uh, I always do, I always try and help out. We're actually trying to do something now for the people in New Orleans that
0: are getting so beat up by these hurricanes. Yep. Yeah. So something will probably come out of that in, 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 indeed you've also been very active with uh, initiatives about flag football and about the, the concussions and cte yeah. uh, you gotta be careful of that
1: That's very scary yep it, back it, to it drives, drives me crazy to see some of my guys it broke my heart to see nick bonacani hmm. um in his last we went up to new york city we we, we did that flag football thing i mean uh, flag football is great. You learn the fundamentals. And then, when you're at least a freshman in high school, then you can start hitting and hit the right way. So, that's what Nick and myself and Harry Carson went to New York. We did the thing for the foundation, the Concussion Foundation. But Nick was already inflicted with the, what do you have, you know, the. Yep. Yeah. Yeah you know, the too many concussions, CTE.
0: The CTE, yep.
1: Oh, and then I saw that movie. Oh my God. And you know, the, the guys that hmm. I got that. I mean, football is a is, is the most beautiful game in the world. Whoever knew about these concussions, I just hope that I don't wake up tomorrow and start losing it. So yeah. far, so good there. Bernie.
0: Yeah, exactly. give, me, give me another 30 and, and I'll, I'll be happy. Exactly. I was going to say, you'll be very happy with that. Um, Also want to mention, be remiss about this. You got to think about the Hall of Fame. I think the Hall of Fame has thought about you. I don't know if there's still a little bit of maybe a little bit of uh, prejudice or animosity about former Raiders, but you've certainly been a candidate now the last couple of years. We can only hope that the Phil Filippiano story is going to have Canton, Ohio. Back to your Bowling Green, it'll be back to Canton kind of full circle.
1: Wouldn't that be nice? It would be wonderful, Bernie. And you know, I remember my very first year of eligibility. I got all the way down to the final cut. Yep. And then you go away for a while, and then you, as you get older, people bring up your name again. It, it would be wonderful. It would be, you know, it's the thing I loved most in the world. And then to get to be on top of the thing you love most in the world is pretty cool. If it happens, wonderful. If not, you know, it's there's a, a lot of great people that. I mean, all, they're all great players, you know, what are you right. going to do? Oh, yeah. There's so many of them, you know, I just happened to be, you know, at a time when a lot of Raiders, well, they, they, they didn't really like the Raiders so much. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> know, but we did get
0: some guys in.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, We got some in. Hopefully there'll be a few more and one will be named Phil Filippiano. Thank man, you. Absolutely. Me. Just ask everybody <clears throat> to proceed with caution around the streets of Rumson, New Jersey and the Jersey Shore because a guy that described tackling as an art form <clears throat> and a thing of beauty, just watch the clip on the hit on OJ Simpson if you want to steal a thing of beauty. But we ask everybody, proceed with caution because this man is still searching for the perfect tackle. So it could be anybody on the streets of Rumpson that you might run down at some point.
1: Oh, that's fun, Bernie, thank you. I, yeah. You know what, I, 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 you know, I used to tell, when I told people, When I go to like all the football camps and we talk about tackling, I say, guys, when you tackle somebody and it doesn't happen often because you're always off balance and pushing and shove it. But when you make the right tackle, it feels good to you and to the ball carrier. Right. He's been tackled well. Yeah. But (laughs) it doesn't happen very often. Right. Especially the way the Raiders used to tackle.
0: <laughs> well, that exactly. That, that's right. That, that, exactly. That was back in the 70s when a lot, as we talked about, a lot was let go. The surface searches for the perfect wave. You got the surface in the Jersey Shore. Phil Filippiano is still looking for the perfect tackle. Uh, once a Raider, always a Raider. And uh, we really want to thank you. I got to thank your nephew, Joe, who I've been friends with. He was at Harvard for 12 years. He's now the offensive coordinator at Cornell. Right. Uh, getting us together once again and, uh, and, and, and making this possible. Phil. Well,
1: you know, I'm glad you said that, Bernie. And uh, yep. Joe's looking for some uh, some good athletes. Oh, okay. And, you know, you know, yep. I don't know anybody anybody listening to your show.
0: Yep. If you want to get in the Ivy League? You got to call Joe. A- absolutely. One eight hundred Joe. You know, strangely enough, uh, a friend of mine, his stepson, is going to be a defensive back at Cornell uh, next year. He signed a letter of intent. And when I spoke to Joe, I, I mentioned the name. And he said, yep, he's in our recruiting class. So I'm going to try to keep him coming and send him, call 1-800-JOE and send him to Ithaca and, and help him out doing good things up there. Even though I'm the voice of Harvard football, I got to acknowledge uh, <laughs> he's done some good things uh, up there uh, with Cornell. And uh, you know, once again, uh, thank you. We've got a lot in common, the Italian uh, background. I'm only half Italian. My mother and father, you know, being half Irish and half Italian, they'd argue about that all the time. Right. But, I noticed one interview that you did with the 10-year-old kid, Sabo. I've noticed you said, favorite movie, The Godfather, couldn't disagree. Favorite band, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, strong vote. Lasagna, favorite meal. I gotta ask you, what's your favorite Burt Lancaster movie before we go?
1: Burt Lancaster?
0: You, I, I was to say Spartacus? What, you was gonna say favorite, favorite movie. I was gonna say, you said favorite actor. You gave, it, gave it us <laughs> Burt Lancaster. Yeah. And, uh, which uh, was a pretty good choice. The only choice I I, uh, I questioned was when Sabo asked you, I believe that's the pronunciation of the name, Young Sabo. If you had one person to spend your time on a desert island, for some reason you said, "Oh, to Sistrunk." That one puzzled me a little bit. You
1: know, my girlfriend was sitting across from me. She went, "What? I don't know. I I, I don't know where, where it was coming from with that." Yeah, I love <laughs> I love the chunk, but no, no, no. I got Janie here. I, I, I take her to <laughs>
0: That's right. Clear it with her. Phil, so, yeah. thanks very much. It has been a supreme pleasure here. And uh, once again, your commitment to excellence has extended uh, long into your uh, retirement and uh, your post-NFL career. All the best. Hope to, uh, post-pandemic, hope to see you down the shore, man.
1: That's great, Bernie. I'm here. You, you can find me easy. Got my number.
0: All right. Come, come say hello. I definitely will. We'll, uh, we'll go catch a couple of tasty waves. Thank you, Phil. Yeah.
1: Okay, but, that's great, Bernie. Thank you very much.
0: Absolutely. I want all to right. thank my executive producer, Andy Bernstein. He's married to a Jersey girl, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the guys on the West Coast uh, in Seattle from Belleville, New Jersey, no less. I want to thank Todd uh boys out in Seattle for uh, all their help. And, of course, a uh, uh, special and supreme thanks to our guest, uh, Phil Filippiano, for uh, joining us here today. Uh, once a Raider, always a Raider, and uh, personifying the Raiders. It's going to be Viva Las Vegas at the Thank 41 you, bar next fall. You played the game well with us today, Phil, on the games people play. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Bernie. Bye bye.